Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by my OTB brethren, Zach Blostein. Zach, hello. Thank you for calling me brethren. You're welcome. In. And then Chris Nee as well. Chris, what up? Good morning. Chris, are you broken yet from June? How are we doing here? It's it's the back half. You all right? I'm fine. All right. Light at the end of the tunnel. Insight. You don't look as crispy now. It's more like the browning, like it went from red to more of a nice brown shade. So I think the camera's just further away. I'm still very red. Okay. Got it. All right, gents. We, as always, have a lot to get to, but this feels like a particularly loaded episode with us trying to put together official visit recaps from this past weekend with official visit previews with this upcoming weekend. And it's a massive weekend from just a pure number standpoint with FSU has coming in. So we're going to get into that here. Also talk about some unofficial visitors as well. Before we get into all of it, though, shout out three things. Uh, first off, Chattanooga Whiskey, sponsor of On the Bench. It is one of the uh, premier craft whiskeys out there. Um, my favorite craft whiskey. Uh, and, and it was a favorite before they even sponsored us. Uh, nestled into the mountains of Chattanooga. They do an amazing job of bourbon, of rye, of experimental batches. Uh, they've won multiple awards because it is such an outstanding product at a great value. You can find it all within the Southeast. Go to your local liquor, liquor store. You can go and order online as well at sealbacks.com. Uh, so yeah, Chattanooga Whiskey, an amazing sponsor for us, an amazing product. Love their stuff. I think Dane has gone through almost an entire bottle so far with, with some help. Uh, don't want to out him too much, but he's had some help. Uh, Zach's, uh, Zach's enjoyed it as well with his family members. So yeah, it is a a fantastic whiskey to share with the people you care about. Uh, then also, Byer Sinone is sponsored by... The Turner Group. The Turner Group. The Turner Group. Colin, Amy Turner doing an amazing job buying, selling homes in Central Florida, throughout the state of Florida. Uh, you are in the home buying process or you want to enter the market. I uh, would highly recommend you reach out to Colin Turner at the Turner Group. You can email him at getstartedatthetunergroup.com. And for Florida State parents who are looking to send their little ones to Tallahassee in the coming months here, don't rent in Tallahassee. Uh, much better bang for your buck if you buy. Obviously, some inherent risk in buying, but Colin Turner can walk you through how that ends up being a, a very uh, lucrative risk. And, and the reward at the end of the tunnel is pretty stellar. And then finally, a shout out to the boys at X's and Knowles. Uh, they put together an amazing product with Mike Norvell this week where he sat down on the YouTube channel for those guys and uh, gave him an hour of his time to talk about some schemes, some philosophies. Got to see Mike have fun. Uh, X's and Knowles has been with us at Knowles 24-7 for about a year now. What an amazing year it's been. And I think this was a highlight of of their respective careers. One of the best things I've been, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Associated. Thank you, Chris. Uh, The coffee is flowing right now. Um, 
but yeah, that, that's on their YouTube channel and it's on Knowles247.com as well. The response to it has been awesome. We're thankful for that opportunity. Check that out. So let's get into it, gentlemen. FSU is in the midst of, of June here. That means official visits constantly. It means camps, means a ton of balancing for this coaching staff as it tries to assemble its recruiting class. Now, where I think I want us to start is with the little buyer Sinone as we take the temperature of where FSU is sitting right now, because Florida has had a ton of commits the last few days. You know, FSU fans are getting anxious about that, kind of wondering when the next commit is going to come for the Seminoles. It's been about two months. Uh, there's been some prospects getting taken off the board or seemingly so. So let's go Buyer Sinone here, sponsored by the Turner Group. Turner Group. <laughs> Buyer Sinone, FSU's recruiting strategy for June will ultimately work out for the Seminoles. Zach, I'm going to throw this to you. Before you give the Buyer Sinone answer, maybe explain what the recruiting strategy has been for FSU. Yeah, so basically they like to backload their uh, June official visit slate. Um, they're going to host, or they're slated to host, more official visitors this upcoming weekend, June 23rd through 25th, than the entire rest of June combined. Um, I believe it's 14 for the rest of June. There was six the first weekend, two midweek, and then six last weekend. Whereas um, this upcoming weekend, there will be about 15 to 16 uh, prospects on campus for official visits. So um, that is the strategy. That's not something new. That's something that Mike Norvell has done. Um, throughout his career at Florida State, um, the past two cycles, when Florida State's been able to host official visitors uh, within the month of June, they've backloaded um, their slate uh, towards the la latter half of June. Um, that last weekend's always the one that has the most number of prospects on campus. And, you know, with that uh, strategy, there's high risk, high reward, right? Because a lot of those prospects that they're talented, they're going to be taking visits to other schools throughout the month of June, the first, uh, the other, you know, three weekends. And because of that, sometimes one of those prospects might find the school that they feel is the spot for them. And they might decide to end their recruitment early or start favoring that school very heavily. You know, we've seen that happen with some prospects. If FSU is able to get the targets they want on campus for that final weekend, then we see where the reward happens, right? Because a lot of these prospects are making decisions early on in July or before their seasons. And FSU gets that last impression at the end of June before they head into decision-making mode. My answer here is I'm going to say Sano because I think that Florida State will land some talented prospects um, that are going to visit this weekend. But I feel as if... Um, I, I'm somewhere in the middle, right? I don't think all the concern um, that is happening among the fan base is necessarily warranted um, over the past few days. There's been some concerning developments, right? Like we'll talk about uh, a guy like Jason Zandamella who got crystal ball to USC after visiting there last weekend. These things are bound to happen, right? Like prospects are going to go and in, in like places that they're visiting. Um, I wrote an article today that that one of FSU's recruiting objectives should be to maintain that that Jason Zandamella is going to uh, stay on the visitor list for this upcoming weekend. Like that's been the plan for months. I just I think that FSU should utilize the first weekend um, with prospects that they have a better chance at 
um, and, and maybe, you know, some of the midweek stuff, um, they should probably vet prospects and just make sure that, that they're seriously considering Florida state. And I know the FSU staff feels confident about their chances with guys once they get them on campus, especially for an official visit, because that's, you know, part of what they sell, um, in a recruiting, you know, pitch to a, a prospect, but yeah, to me, I think, um, you know, you limit yourself some by backloading completely on an official visit slate. And I'm not saying, you know, obviously they hosted guys like last weekend. I think they knocked it out of the park with probably half or a little bit more than a half of the prospects that were on campus, um, the June 16th through 18th weekend. Um, I think FSU leads for multiple of those guys. But I think you probably should spread out the visits a little bit more. And because... I think, you know, you, you limit yourself and we'll see what happens over the next few days, right? Like if Jason Zandamella stays on the visitor list then I feel better about where FSU stands um, with some of those, you know, with this question at hand. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to see like maybe some of these guys spread out amongst the June uh, official visit slate a little bit more, especially that first weekend. That's the weekend I always look at. And that's been a trend, right? Like those are the guys that, are least likely to end up in the class um, for whatever reason, right? Because they're going to go on official visits the rest of the month. And FSU, you know, if they don't vault into the lead after that visit, then it's unlikely that they're probably going to land those kids. So, yeah, I would just say um, Sonoan because I think I would like to see the strategy spread out a little bit more. Maybe just that fi those final two weekends, maybe, uh, you know, make them more equal in numbers. Um, but, you know, I, I'm very interested to see how the next week and change goes for Florida State when it comes to, to how they uh, they fare up for, for some of these recruits that will be on campus this weekend. Chris, Byers Sinone, before you get into the Byers Sinone, uh, are you, are you well, Byers Sinone, surprised that Zach might have a little uh, skepticism or anxiety about recruiting? I mean, I, Zach's response I thought was pretty well balanced, truthfully. Oh, it's not fun when we're balanced. Sorry. So to the original question, I'm synoning it. I'm not concerned because it's June. And at, uh, my view of recruiting has drastically changed here in the last, I'd say, 12 to 18 months. It used to be, yes, you wanted to acquire 25 high school kids and have the best high school class in the country. That used to be recruiting. That was the bread and butter of recruiting for a long time in the time I've done this in this business. It's not that anymore. It's town acquisition. It's a roster. It's a salary cap. Portal is involved in it. FSU has shown they construct, construct a roster in a good way. Now, does FSU need to recruit at a high level in high school? Yes. I'm not dismissing any concerns with, you know, maybe DN, linebacker board, D-tackle boards being kind of thin, feeling like you're slipping a little bit, needing to do some things there. I get those people and the concern there, but I still think there's a degree of, like, it's June, let it play out. But, I, like, I have a tough time really caring, like, overly – being concerned about it. If FSU walks away from June and I'm saying June into July with kids committing with say six to eight new additions of high level prospects that they truly want a guy like a Charles Lester, for example, guys of that magnitude, guys they have targeted for a long time and their class is sitting at say they have what 11 right now, I believe it is. So let's throw two out. We lose two. Jawaski Abrams does what he's been teasing for a month and somebody else goes, you're at nine, you add six, you're at 15 all of a sudden. How many high school kids is FSU going to sign this year? 20? 
So you're 75% done. You really like the 75% you have. It's what you've wanted. You got five spots left and then you go portal hunting. That's how you're going to fill out your class. That's going to be your talent acquisition. Like I have trouble getting into panic mode, viewing it in that prism. Do I want FSU to recruit the best high school class in the country? Would I love if FSU was having the surge today that Florida has had this week? Yeah, that would be fantastic. We'd sell the hell out of it. It'd be great. It, it's great to get great players. I'm not acting like it's not. But at the end of the day, it's about building your best roster and having the best team capable. And I have a tough time with the current program that we're covering, acting like they haven't done a good job of doing that. There are areas they can be better at. I don't want people to think that I'm completely saying like they're doing a phenomenal job. There are areas I wish they were recruiting at a better clip at. Linebacker recruiting, bigger board would be nicer. But again, and I had this conversation with Zach yesterday. To me, linebacker might be the most unimportant position on FSU's entire roster of your primary positions. In the sense of having to acquire a lot of guys. If FSU doesn't get a high-level high school linebacker this year, they're going to be arguably the most interesting portal school for a linebacker in the country because they're losing two guys who are going to play a ton of snaps with no clear-cut next guy. And I know that's where the concern comes in for folks. But at the same time, FSU has shown that it can go in the portal and acquire guys and do that. I don't know that any high school kid FSU can acquire in this year's class at linebacker is going to help them at linebacker next year. So which holds more value for them, the high school kid or the portal kid? And that's a dangerous game to play, but I think FSU is pretty comfortable playing it, I guess is the way I would put it. So, no, I'm not overly concerned. I do think it's important for FSU to close out this month effectively. Historically, Mike Norvell has built up that last weekend of June to be their big recruiting time, closing the summer with a little bit of a momentous push of adding more kids, adding high school recruits. It is important for FSU to get there. It's important for them to close high-level guys like a Charles Lester. A guy like Jason Sandomello is one that if they lose to USC, it would be a true loss because for so long in that recruitment, they were the pace card. They set the pace. So I don't want people to think that like there aren't things that are concerning. But I think there's been a whole lot of panic, mainly for two reasons. One, FSU has gone basically 62 days, I think it is now, without a commitment since Landon Thomas on April 17th. And the other reason is simple. One of their rivals has surged this week and had a phenomenal week and pushed their class to what top two or three in the country. Yeah. And they've done a great job. I get that. But like, no, I, I I think that's a crazy reason to get in a panic because I don't think FSU is panicked. If FSU was panicked, I'd be more concerned. But yes, there are positions where FSU can do better. So again, similar to what Zach said, there is some in the middle of the buyer to Sinone part of it. But in general, no, uh, I'm Sinoning it. I, so I want to I want to talk about the linebacker discussion we had yesterday out at the uh, the bench. Um, to me, while linebacker might not be the most important position um, when it comes to acquiring a ton of talent, I think it's important for Florida State to build for the future. And while they're not going to land a guy out of high school that's likely to contribute as a starter for them next year, or maybe even as a two deep guy. I think that the talent in the linebacker room is not some, you know, something that that FSU should be comfortable with um, moving forward. Like I don't, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with FSU's linebacker core next year after losing Tatum Bethune and um, Kalen Deloach as a linebacker core that can be, you know, competing for ACC champion championships and and beyond that right i think the biggest concern for me right you look at florida's class and you know i'm going to compare classes here right 
Florida has three linebackers that rank in the top 100 in in our rankings. Um, Florida State can't scratch the surface with the linebacker that is of blue chip status, right? They they hosted Edwin Spillman earlier this month, um, the first weekend of June, like I was talking about. He has since said that he's focused on Tennessee and Ohio State. Michael Boganowski is making his first ever visit to Florida State this week for an unofficial visit, which is positive, right? You're getting him on campus for multiple days. Um, so I'm not discounting that, but you know, the chances with that kid trying to pull him out of Kansas, he's the top player in Kansas and Kansas state is going to host him on an official visit this weekend. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to predict him to end up in FSU's class. So that's where the concern lies for me, right? Florida's coming off a six and seven season. They probably have a worse outlook this season than pretty much, you know, any, any legit school that Florida state's recruiting against. And they have landed three top 100 linebacker prospects already, including a five-star edge who could be considered a linebacker that I'm not even including in that, um, in those three um, that they landed yesterday. So that's where the concern lies to me. I don't think Florida state should be getting lapped um, by an in-state rival when, you know, they beat said in-state rival and their long-term program outlook looks better than um, that school. So that's that's where the concern lies for me um, when you're comparing classes and just the effort um, and, and um, recruiting ability. Um, I think that's where I find concern. And uh, we had a good like Chris and I had a good debate about it yesterday about, you know, the level of importance of high school recruiting when you compare it to, you know, what FSU can go and get in the portal, which I think, like you said, Chris, I think they're absolutely going to going to do that. And that's their full plan is to go take a portal linebacker. But the only issue with that is we saw with safety this year, when FSU goes into that market, are they going to be able to land a guy or even find a guy that fits? Because that's not always a guarantee. You can't guarantee out of the portal that you're going to find a player that fits what you need. Um, we saw it this year with safety, right? They, Florida State did not land a safety out of the portal, and they desperately tried to add one. Um, and you could say, you know, maybe none of those guys would have been absolute difference makers for Florida State this season, but they needed a safety, and they did not get one. Um, so my argument there is that the, it's not always a certainty that you will get what you want out of the portal because you don't know what's going to go in. Whereas high school, you can evaluate a large crop of prospects and there will be multiple that fit what you need. Yeah. And just to add one last point to it, and I brought this up yesterday, I use O-line for an example. I love Lucas Simmons. I think Lucas Simmons is capable of being an extremely good college football player who has a pro potential. Lucas Simmons is valued higher than Jeremiah Byers. On FSU's football team this coming season, Jeremiah Byers' value is drastically higher than anything Lucas Simmons can or should provide. Yeah. Because that's how this works. If we're talking about Florida State's football program in three years, Lucas Simmons is. But I don't so know much. that I don't know that we should view football programs or any college athletic programs anymore as That's multiple fair. year things. Like I kind of feel like but, that has gone away. It has wholeheartedly gone away in basketball. Now that's different. It's much smaller numbers. You've got to build in football. You do have to have a foundation that carries over year over year with a little bit of built in. But at the same time, FSU's ability to get good quick here has largely happened because their ability to go pluck the portal over their actual high school recruiting. Now it is important for them to be a better high school recruiting school. And this is a very important cycle for that. And there's positions where they have to do that. Defensive end is one we keep talking about linebackers one. I think we all would like to be better, but again, I think the strategy in this cycle is that 
they'd probably prefer portal kid over high school kid. Just be cut through it all and be very direct about it. I don't think that's a good strategy, is my argument. I think I think you have but to But I don't build. think any high school kid that get this year helps them next it's not year about and that. they need help it's not next about, year. It's not about what can immediately help next year. I know right. you're saying it's a one year roster build, but Florida State does not want to operate like that. They don't want to operate where they are desperately trying to get a linebacker that could start for them this year, but next year. But I think they've done that a lot of positions, and now we're getting to a point where it's more narrowed on the positions they have to do that at. And linebacker is an example where they will probably have to do that at. Do you think? But there's a lot of positions that's not going to be true. Don't you think they would prefer having a high school kid that they develop that's a good prospect and can play like year two or year three versus banking on the portal and just hoping that a great prospect enters that can start for them that year? Yes, but the truth is they probably would have needed to get that individual two or three classes ago. And True. they didn't. They got Omar now one class removed and Blake in the class that just enrolled. And those are two guys that we believe will be factors at that position long term. Prior to that, there's not a whole lot to point to. I mean, I'm not trying to knock down DJ Lundy. He's been an excellent number three at the position and valuable, but that's probably all he ever should be. And I, I guess that's the best way I can put it is I, I think FSU's belief is to be good at linebacker in 2024 presuming Bethune and Deloach are both departed from the program as expected, that they're going to have to go and pluck somebody who has playing college experience and is physically prepared to handle the role then and there. And they're not going to find that in high school ranks in this class. They're going to have to go and get that. And the hope is that in adding that guy, you allow a guy like Blake and Omar to catch up, giving you four to five in that room that you hope can be capable. I just think that's sort of the mindset they operate with. I think that's how they look at viewing the construction of a roster and a lot of us are still stuck in the old mindset of 25 high school kids in one class in the country. In three years, we're going to be really good. Or in two and a half years, we're going to be really good with that group. I just don't know if that's how FSU operates. I, and I, I'm not, I don't want people to think I'm saying this right now to make an excuse for the law we're having in recruiting. I have felt this way dating back to December, January. I got in arguments with you guys over text messages about at the end of the day, it's all about ta- talent acquisition. Like rankings are a beautiful thing, but it's about building a good football roster. And that's where I think FSU is. And I think they're comfortable doing it in a variety of ways that they're not solely going to rely upon high school. Like some programs still seem to be, but there are plenty of programs that are very much portal hunters as FSU has seemingly become. So backtracking about 10 minutes ago, I think Chris said he was synoning it, but he meant to say he was buying it just to clarify. What panic? I'm not panicked. no, whether their strategy will work out in June for June. No, I, I think they're going to acquire multiple high school kids. We and I think they're going to have a good high school class. Another thing I, we should, we should have determined Brendan is what does workout mean? You're the one who wanted that prompt. <laughs> I know, but you should, we should have clarified that. Okay, so quickly position by position for 24 quarterback. They already got their dude running back. They've got one. Are they going to get another one? That's to be determined. I don't think I love him. Chris goes position Clark. by position. Wide receiver, I'm not the least bit concerned. If Abrams walks, it is what it is. If he stays, it's great. He's a speedster. B.J. Gibson, exceptionally talented. Pro baseball would probably be the biggest thing that might pull him away. They are in position with plenty of good receivers in high school rankings. Like I'm not worried there. they got arguably best player in the country on the offensive side of the ball at a skill position on campus right now for an unofficial visit, and I don't think they get him. I think he sticks with Ohio State, but that's the level they're recruiting to. Tight end, very comfortable. Already got – Arguably the best one in the country. Kylan Fox is another kid. It's going to be them or UCF most likely at the end of the day. And he's an excellent ad, a very talented athlete. 
O-line is a position where I don't think they're desperate for a bunch of high school O-linemen. Like, they've got a very deep room. They're at, what, 18 is the current number, I think, in that room. They're only going to lose probably two or three after this year, so it's still a very deep number going into next year. That's a position they've built up. With, with better talent. They would love Sandamella. Talent at the yes. offensive line. And they would love Sandamella. I'm not dismissing. The Zandamella development is probably the most disappointing thing to me that's happened in June for FSU recruit. Because he's a kid that they've invested a ton of time with. I personally think very highly of what he's capable of being, especially as a center. And it would really suck if USC basically swooped in one official out there, changed its whole narrative. Yeah. That would stink. That would and be FSU's bad. He's been involved with him longer, way longer than USC. They got USC offered him in February, and he's taken two visits there in total. Yeah. And then John Daniels is a kid. They're still in a good spot with. So that's offense. Like there's nothing offensively where I'm panic button at all. And I think they're going to add at receiver in the high school ranks and that's good. And they're going to get a high school offensive lineman or two. But again, I don't think they're in desperate need for multiple high school offensive linemen. I don't think they're in love with the high school offensive line classes here. True. Who else have they brought in? Nair Daniels, probably a Georgia kid if Georgia wants them. Uh, who else is there, Zach? Am I forgetting another offensive line? Yeah, that's I mean, been in here? Ty Hilton's another guy that they like. Derek Plaw's just decommitted from Penn State. Yeah. Like those are some other. But they've options. always been a little slow with Derek Plaw's. Like that's never been, like NC State and Miami have been ultra aggressive with that kid yeah. in comparison to FSU. And True. Ty Hilton's a kid that I think they like, but I don't know that they love him. Defensive side of the ball is a little bit more concerning. We've talked about linebacker pretty in depth. Defensive line edge. Dylan Stevenson going to Stanford was a negative development, but that's a board where you have a few other names. The thing is, you got to hit on one. Yeah. It's not necessarily like there's one guy above all, but like if they land D.D. Holmes or somebody of that sort, then you're not as concerned with it because, again, it's a position they've had a great deal of success recruiting out of portal. And I think they like recruiting portal. The end. I'm going to write something, yeah. but I'm it is important in the week about um, how I think D.D. Holmes is the most important uh, prospect visiting this weekend because of just he I think he's the only edge rusher visiting Florida State officially visiting Florida State this month, um, which says something to me, right? Because that's probably FC's one of the FSU's biggest positions of need out of the high school ranks. And, you know, Dylan Stevenson, Dylan Stevenson was a, uh, originally on the visitor list for this weekend before he committed to Stanford. And I think Dee, Dee Holmes is someone FSU absolutely loves at edge. He's stands at six foot six and, you know, over 240 pounds, like he's a, he's a good looking prospect. Um, and I think he's very important for Florida state this weekend. I just wanted to throw that in because I know um, we were talking about um, that, how big of a position of need that is. And landing a high school D end is important beyond acquiring the talent to combat the narrative. I, at this point, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, interior defensive line. They're loaded this year. They're obviously, you know, a guy like Daryl Jackson, is he a one and done at FSU? Josh Farmer, does he move on? There, there's a few guys where, like, if they're coming back, it's not really a big concern for the immediate future. But you could also get wiped out of some really good talent there if everybody kind of plays at a high level and all decides to go pro and chase the money. So that's a weird position. I, I would like that position to be recruited a little better in the high school ranks. I love Nazir Johnson, hated that he committed to Florida last week, but that was of no surprise basically forecasted that going into the weekend that that was sort of something to keep an eye on. It happened. He is still expected in this coming weekend, but at the end of the day, Florida's led there for a good while before the commitment happened. That wasn't a rash decision by any stretch. Linebacker we've discussed. Secondary, they've got a ton of names on the board. They just got to close. Uh, it begins with Charles Lester. I still feel great about him. We'll get into him because he was a recent official. 
and there's a lot of other names. And the, the key is just acquiring what three to five that they really like and getting guys of a certain talent and skill level that fits what they're trying to do. But like, I, I find the whole panic right now, just be kind of unfounded. Like I don't view the class as like hanging on the cliff and Billy hanging on. I think the panic is more so because Florida has surged and that's why people want to panic and like good for Florida. That's awesome. Billy's recruiting at a really high level. They're nailing some positions. Their defensive front recruiting has been outstanding. Their linebacker recruiting. Very good. Like I get it, but like, it is. It's two different schools recruiting for two different reasons, and I, I have a tough time of doing whole you know apples to apples comparison of and hit the panic button because while they're doing that in high school recruiting in FSU is, and I think people view high school recruiting like just the sports fandom in us like we view high school recruiting sometimes as we would a game where like if you fall behind behind by too much you can't catch up and that's not necessarily how it works like the recruiting rankings like what florida's done has been remarkable i do agree with you chris that's where the trepidation comes from like where i think that's why fans are getting anxious in conjunction with fsu not having a commitment for two months but you know what's about to happen what we're going to talk about on this podcast is an official visit weekend coming up in a few days for florida state that will probably be very fruitful because based on the last two years zach mentioned earlier this is a this is a strategy that mike norvell employees he likes to have his official visit weekend at the very end of a cycle or uh, a schedule and he likes to have that at the end of the summer to build momentum that way so florida florida is like taking its shot and it's been a remarkable shot florida state is now going to do something similar you just have to wait like a few days a few weeks a month i know that could be uncomfortable because you see fsu sitting going from being a top 10 class to now in the teens i get it uh, FSU historically does really well in this final weekend. They got five commitments, I think, last year out of official visitors in the final weekend of June. They got five the previous cycle as well. And that was with only eight official visitors, I think, in each of those cycles. FSU has 15 coming in. Ten of them are uncommitted right now. And FSU just had an official visit weekend this past weekend as well. That was also really good. And I think, I mean, Zach, what would you say? FSU had six official visitors this past weekend. Byerson own FSU gets at least two commitments from this weekend, past weekend. I'd buy that. Okay. So, so like it's going to look markedly different in a month from now than it does right now. And not a whole lot is like changing for FSU in terms of like what the strategy is. Like, this is all just, they're doing it at their own pace. I think some of the hand wringing is a little over the top and is related to arrival doing really well chill out is what I would recommend. Like it'll, it'll, if they get to the season and the class is still in the teens and not looking good, then we can have the conversation of like, do they have enough on the board? But they have a really good nucleus right now, a really good foundation and they're big game hunting as well. And like, they are keeping a spot open right now for a KJ Bolden, who's on campus at this moment for Jeremiah Smith, who's on campus. Like talk about this, but like they are, they are in a better spot than I think it looks like at this moment, I think it'll end up ultimately being fine. Yes, there's some position groups that we want to hyper-focus on that need to be better, have more robust, broader boards. The conversation of you guys talking earlier about the linebacker board made me think, like, it's not just about strategy. It's about are you maximizing your opportunities within that strategy? And I think that's kind of where the gray area comes in. Yeah, and I would say Zach wholeheartedly believes they're not, Yeah, which I actually don't disagree with. But I also think they're comfortable with, basically 
the safety net of the portal at that position and needing to get somebody who can help them next year versus getting someone who can help them down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and like, I think we're all three of us are somewhere on different sides of the, or somewhere within this spectrum, but we are viewing linebacker recruiting as it can be better. Like we're not giving it a pass. None of us. Same with D tackle. Yeah. And defensive end. Like I, yeah. we, we all are seeing it and like we cover this program at an extremely in-depth level. So like we see it, we know what's happening. And so we also know like there's probably a little bit more to it than, than just the results that are showing right now. on um, just a matter of degrees, but anyways, I don't have to do the buyers and own game. We can, we can move on um, because we've already spent a lot of time on this, but I think it was a good topic with a lot of nuance informative. Hopefully people listening uh, took something away from it. So let's get into what happened this past weekend. FSU had six official visitors on campus. I'm going to run down them real quick and then we'll do break down some Intel. First off, five-star Charles Lester, uh, cornerback from Venice, 99 grade, which is pretty, pretty great. Uh, top 20 prospect nationally. Some of the FSU has been recruiting and believed to be leading on for a very long time. Uh, get him in there. He was all smiles afterwards. We'll talk about that in a minute. Xavier Mincy, cornerback safety prospect from Daytona Beach, Mainland, someone I'm extremely high on. 94 grade, top 150 prospect nationally. B.J. Gibson, the loan commitment for FSU or committed prospect who visited this past weekend. Uh, he's got a four-star grade, 89 grade overall, top 375 prospect nationally. We saw him at camp last weekend or two weekends ago. He was awesome in person. He was everything I think we thought he would be. FSU, I think, did really well there. Next up, Ricky Knight listed as an athlete. Uh, he is viewed as a cornerback or safety prospect for FSU, roughly a top 400 prospect nationally with an 89 overall grade. Uh, someone FSU has been recruiting for a long time. FSU is actually his first offer. That was a discussion point in his post-interview recap. Next up, Alex January, defense alignment from Duncanville, Texas. Uh, if that name's familiar to you, FSU has a few other players on the roster from Duncanville. He has an 88.9 grade, so high-end three-star, 461st nationally. And then finally, Kevin Levy from Cardinal Newman High School in West Palm Beach, where coincidentally, Ricky Knight just transferred to their cousins. Uh, Kevin Levy is a speedster, a track guy with a 10-6, 100-meter dash. He has an 87 grade and is ranked in the top 700 nationally. So uh, a lot to, to unpack there. Let's start off with the headliner, though, Charles Lester. Chris, I'll start with you because you were kind of leading the interview with Charles Lester. Uh, let's talk about what he discussed, and then we'll kind of get into it from there. If, Zach, you want to follow up with something. Uh, Charles Lester is a kid who's been here 10 times, I think it is now. It's nine tens right in that ballpark. He has an insanely good relationship with Mike Norvell, as does his family that comes with him, namely his aunt, who's played a huge role in raising him. Um, he's ultra comfortable with FSU. The recruitment there has been focused largely for a good while now on Alabama, Georgia, and FSU. Colorado's hanging around and got them in for an official, so I've got to mention them as well. But the kid himself has consistently said his top three consists of Alabama, uh, Georgia and Florida State. I've had a crystal ball for him for FSU for a good while. I feel very confident in that exiting the visit. I believe Zach entered one post-visit and felt that way even before the visit. Charles Lester is a kid that the main thing with him is when is he going to decide? He's kind of left that very open-ended. I think FSU's preference would be sooner rather than later, but we shall see. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Florida State leads for Charles Lester. Um, I thought they led for him coming into the visit. And I think they really only furthered their lead um, after the OV. So I feel confident in my crystal ball. We all have crystal balls in from at this point, correct? 
Yep. Yeah. I think the big thing was kind of withstanding this this June with official visits. He still has yeah. the one to Georgia left, but um, so far, I mean, we'll see what happens. You listen, a, a defensive prospect going to Georgia is something that makes your eyebrow. If I could make my singular eyebrow go up like the Rock, I I, I would, but I I can't. I it has to be both. Um, but it does make you wonder what's going to happen there. Uh, but FSU has withstood Alabama, has withstood Colorado, which you know, a kid from uh, South South uh, Western Florida. You, know, you always kind of wonder with Deion Sanders being involved there. It's seemingly withstood both of those. Probably in really good shape for Charles Lester right now. You got one more, and, and then I think you're good. Next up, let's talk about Zay Mincy. Chris, uh, you talked to Zay as well. Uh, I'm huge fan of his game. Uh, he's a tough kid to read, though. So yes, that's exactly where I was going to start. Is like you, you talk to him and you're, you're just not sure. Um, I think he likes FSU in their scheme, and he'd be a corner for FSU for the record, even though he's listed as a safety for 24-7. He'd be a real physical press corner, big kid who's athletic. I think he likes what uh, Coach Stratan is telling him with regards to what he can do at that position for FSU. But I don't get the warm and fuzzies that it's ultimately FSU. I think it's probably an in-state school. Florida and Miami are both involved as well. If I had to put money on it right now, I'd probably lean towards Florida. But again, uh, kind of like Brendan referenced, tough to read. What, Zach? No, I was just – I was joking, like all the fans freaking Oh, out. Florida. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just – no, I agree. Um, that's kind of what I wrote coming out of the weekend, I think – He's a really tough read, um, not a kid that really talks to the media besides like if you get him in person. Um, so, you know, I wasn't I I said in my article of like, I don't view FSU as the leader for him. Um, I really like him and I know Florida State loves him. He's like close to the top of their cornerback board. Um, he's a really good prospect, but, you know, I'm not going to discount FSU's chances just because of the fact that he doesn't really, you know, tip his hat to where he's leaning ever. But I think Florida's a school that he really likes. And that's kind of what he said when Brendan Dane and I went, went and visited uh, mainland high school um, last month and, and talked to him in person. He said Florida was a school that that was standing out. So um, that's probably, you know, I agree with you, Chris. I think that's where I would lean for Zaymancy as of now. Um, he heads to Miami next weekend. I think FSU is in a little better spot than Miami just from talking to um, some people down there, but you know, we'll see where things stand as, as June comes to a close for him. Zach, remember what happened immediately after the Daytona Beach mainland visit? I try not to remember the great steak and shake debacle of 2023. Steak and shake, Kate. Oh, uh, let's see. BJ Gibson, uh, Zach, real quick, any intel on, on him post visit? Yeah, just uh, wanted to share that I had spoken to some people close to him and BJ Gibson, if you guys remember was on an official visit to Stanford earlier in the month and I'm told, you know, Stanford actually impressed him a lot. Um, they brought out, you know, former Cardinal quarterback and NFL quarterback, Andrew Luck to go meet with recruits on that visit weekend. Dylan Stevenson was there that weekend as well. Um, but yeah, uh, Gibson got the you know whole recruiting pitch about how Stanford, you know, a degree from Stanford is worth a ton of money because it's a very prestigious university, which is true. Um, and that resonated with Gibson, but I'm told there's nothing to worry about between, you know, with his commitment to Florida state. Um, he's very solid, especially after attending elite camp and then also, you know, taking his OB last weekend. I think everything's all good there. Um, FSU's in a great spot with him. 
Let's talk a little Alex January, Chris. Uh, do you want me to just play the interview audio? I, I mean, he seemed really disinterested in the interview, and maybe it's just we're bad interviewers. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I think it's Texas. His dad played ball there. His brother's name, I think, is Austin. Like The, the, the signs are pointing <laughs> that direction. So, oh, show crystal um, ball for him right now. That, I would base so something on Austin being the brother's it, name as a crystal ball pick. FSU offered, I believe it was in February, got him in for April for an unofficial, got him in for an official here. Mom and dad have come on both visits, so they have given him plenty of time. I mean, he's had essentially four full days on campus getting a feel for FSU, getting to know it. And he is a kid they value, and he's a big body. He's a very good-looking kid, 6'4", three and a quarter, roughly. You know, he'd be excellent for what they like to do on the interior of their defensive line. But, yeah, I, I think he stays home, basically. And finally, Zach, let's talk about the, the South Florida teammates now uh, and cousins Ricky Knight and Kevin Levy. Yeah, I think FSU knocked it out of the park with both of those prospects. I logged a 24-7 sports crystal ball for Kevin Levy right after um, the visit week ended. I heard things went really well with him, um, and I like where FSU sits. Uh, he has an OV to schedule to Illinois this weekend, and then after that OV, I expect him to go into to decision-making mode and likely announce a decision um, earlier on in the month of July. And then Ricky Knight... Um, heading into the visit, uh, Miami led on the crystal ball for him. Um, they're the lone prediction uh, via Steve Wolfong from earlier on in the spring. And, you know, I think Miami's definitely in the mix, but I think FSU's right there. Um, they're right there challenging Miami for that top spot and Ricky Knight's recruitment, especially after the OV. I wrote that I felt better about where FSU stood in his recruitment following the official visit and, you know, he heads to Miami this weekend, so that'll be the ultimate, you know, deciding factor as to where this thing heads, in my opinion. I think this is a classic FSU versus Miami recruiting battle, and we'll see kind of where things stand um, after he heads to Coral Gables this weekend. But right now, I like, I'm like i liking where FSU's position, positioning themselves with Ricky Knight. Yeah, and Take just real quick on the weekend, guys, Mincy wasn't definitive on decision date, but it sounded like it'd probably be July, August, maybe at the latest. But he did mention he could take in-season visits as well. But I think he will decide before the season rolls around. Uh, Knight, I believe, is going to be a July decision. And talking to him, Kevin Levy sounds along similar timeline. Alex January sounded like after these visits are done, sit down, decide, make a decision with his family. So uh, Charles Lesser's to be determined. All right. So let's move to what's happening right now. And that is FSU has three unofficial visitors on campus, three big time unofficial visitors. And uh, I, I don't want to understand, like, I don't want to glimpse over that these are unofficial visits. You still have the OVs in your back pocket for three really important prospects. KJ Bolden, five-star safety, Jeremiah Smith, five-star wide receiver, and then Mike Boganowski, who is FSU's one of the, their higher uh, linebackers on the board. We thought it was an official visit going into the, this, what, yesterday, and found out that it was an unofficial. So first off, Chris, like the value of that, of having those OVs in your back pocket still when you have three priority guys on multi-day visits, uh, big deal, correct? Yeah, I mean, the hope is that you get them back here for an official. Also, you're limited in total amount of officials you're allowed to have in a given recruiting calendar year currently based on NCAA rules, but that may change here very soon. So, yeah, there's value to it. But I, I think also it just shows that like the machine's running at a pretty good clip in the sense of their ability to get guys on campus who they value highly. Jordan uh, in the chat on our YouTube channel asked how many silent commits, if any, we would guess they have. 
I, I don't like the word silent commit. Um, do I think there's guys who have told FSU they're coming, they're not public? Yes. How many? Byers known two over over under two. I was going to say at least two. Um, the fact that we can talk about multiple. I'll buy. I'll buy. Fine. I think they feel comfortable about certain guys ending up in this class. I guess that's the best way I can put it. Zach's mumbling. Uh, you're on mute. I don't know if you wanted to. Would probably, oh. Zach would probably say Zanamella fit this before. No, I was going to say you're predicting a top five class, Chris. Is what I'm no, doing. I'm not predicting a top okay. five class because we don't value portal rankings like we should. Therefore, it doesn't impact class rankings. Wow. Like we should. I, I, the I, industry, I, not just us. The industry. Yeah. It is skewing, but it's a slow burn. Okay. So uh, any intel on oh, – I don't want to glance over this too much, but but Bolden, Smith, Boganowski, Zach, that we wanted to share or any significance. Uh, one thing before I throw it to you, a uh, big reason for getting Bolden down here uh, this week is to further develop the relationship with Pat Sertan and that specifically. Like that's a big uh, – what, what I'm told, like that's a big factor that FSU has is they want to really harness that relationship, that dynamic with those two. Uh, so that's really the objective exiting the, these couple of days. Yeah, I'll just lay out some of, you know, what's occurred so far. Jeremiah Smith um, was first to arrive yesterday uh, around midday um, and was greeted by Mike Norvell and the entire coaching staff, per usual, with any big prospect, with them waiting inside the Moore Center with the war chant blaring. It was a big welcome. Um, and then Michael Boganowski also arrived yesterday and started his visit. Um, you know, like we said, uh, we originally – he originally had said it was an official visit, but we had heard that it's actually an unofficial visit. And all these guys are expected to stay on campus multiple days, which is big. Um, and then KJ Bolden arrived in town yesterday um, on Monday, but didn't start his visit with Florida State until Tuesday morning. And he actually attended FSU's workout slash practice on Tuesday morning um, and then is going to continue with his visit the rest of the day. And I expect him to stay in at least into uh, Wednesday. Okay, so good stuff for FSU there. Uh, that will take us into where we're going to land. We're going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about this. I think 20 minutes is the goal. I don't want this to be a marathon podcast, but I want to try to get everything in right now. Kid show. And that is official visits coming up. FSU has 16 currently that we have. Uh, markdown and we'll see if some of those guys who've committed elsewhere or trending elsewhere end up happening but that, that's what we have right now is 16. I'm just going to go down in order uh, of first off we're going to talk about committed guys and then we'll go in order of just where they're ranked nationally and, and just discuss what we're hearing on them how those recruitments are trending etc. So of the of the committed guys visiting starting off you have Landon Thomas five-star tight end from Colquitt County top 30 prospect nationally you have Luke Cromenhoek, uh, 95 overall grade, top 150 prospect quarterback. Real quick, we haven't talked about that. Elite 11, guys, sounds like he did very well for himself out there. More or less a consensus, like top four guy, top five performer. And that was with kind of a dud of a day, too. So yeah, he had a bad days. pro day, which yeah. was the middle day of it all. But he performed very, very well, everything outside of that one. Of I, yeah, I talked to Luke last night about it. We'll have a story this week on Rules 24-7. But, yeah, he was really disappointed about that day, too but said he kind of locked in like a funny quote. He's like every other day, um, you know, the first day he was kind of, or the first and second day on the, on the bus over to the fields um, where they were uh, competing. 
he was just joking around with everyone. But the third day um, after his disappointing day two, he said he was completely locked in, like just wanted to have like his best performance. Um, and he, he did on the seven on seven. Um, I think he threw three touchdowns and maybe only had like four incomplete passes that entire day. So really impressive um, stuff from Luke and you'll hear more from him and his experience um, oh, at Elite 11, also, he, he'll preview what's to come for his official visit this weekend on those 24-7. Super impressive. Like, there's only so much you can take away from the Elite 11s, but the fact that he responded well to a pretty poor day two after a really good day one, too, like, could have been easy for him to circle the drain. Like, I think that's a really encouraging sign of who yeah. Luke is, and that's probably my biggest takeaway from from that. He went from being one of the worst performers on, on day two to one of the best on day three and one of the best overall uh, during that stretch. So, FSU... Uh, hey, good at this recruiting thing and evaluating thing, and um, but let's freak out because it's middle of June. I digress. Uh, next up for the commitments, Tawaski Abrams. We'll probably stop there and, and talk about that real quick because that, that is worth uh, veering off for for a minute or two. Four-star wide receiver from Dunbar, Florida, or Dunbar High School in Fort Myers, Florida. Top 250 guy nationally. Speedster does a lot of things really well bit of a project because he's a little undersized, but his film is fun. He's part of a really good wide receiver class for FSU currently, but UF is putting a full court press on him. Zach, who, who did he tell recently? I think reporters post visit at what, 70% committed to Florida State right now? Yeah, um, he had told Blake Alderman from our UF site that he's like 70 or 75% committed to Florida State. So I don't know what that means, but he'll be on campus this weekend. And I think that's a storyline to watch is kind of just where where do things stand between FSU and Tawaski Abrams after his OV this weekend. Um, you know, FSU's maintained that they feel, you know, good about him and that they're not super worried, but you know, he keeps taking visits to other schools and he hasn't been on FSU's campus since he committed to FSU back in January, I think. January, um, sometime in the winter, yeah. Which is crazy to think about, right? A kid from in-state – um, he's made an unofficial visit out to Colorado in that time. Took an um, official to AM, Texas AM. Taken, yeah, an official to AM. He's been to Florida. So um he's been to Florida unofficially too. So, you know, I, I'm really interested to see interested to see what happens after this weekend, just kind of where things stand between the two sides. Is he done with his recruitment? I know he told the UF site that he's likely gonna try to be done with his recruiting process um, by the end of July and just kind of lock in on his season and not visit any other schools, um, you know, wherever he commits to or, or decides to end up. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what happens after this weekend. My light just doesn't want to cooperate. That's what you just saw. Brandon. Oh, I thought you were like, I thought you were doing like something no. uh, symbolic of the recruitment. Like, like it's like off. it's possessed. No, uh, with Abrams, it's, I mean, the comments lend themselves to a kid that seems to really be looking around, but at the same time, he hasn't backed off the pledge. So we shall see. He hasn't but, acted like a firm commit and no. since he committed. And no. that's, we've been pretty consistent on that and we'll see what happens. Like I do like his game. I also think FSU is recruiting at such a high level at wide receiver. Ron Dugans was, everyone was freaking out about him a couple of years ago. It's like, they're good at this recruiting thing. Relax. It's mid June again. I digress once again, uh, but they're recruiting so well at wide receiver that like, if you're going to lose someone in this class, that's probably the position group you you can afford to lose on that and still feel good because you have three other really good ones in the boat and the prospects on the board are also really good. Uh, speaking of prospects on the board at wide receiver who are really good, Camden Fryer, official visiting, four-star recruit, top 400 nationally, 89 grade, 
Love that kid's game. He's he's a lot of fun. Someone who's probably going to be underrated in the rankings just because he doesn't camp a lot. He's been committed to Florida State for a while. It is what it is. I think he got a really good one with a legacy there. And finally, C.J. Hurd, another longtime commitment from Woodward Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, 89 grades are just outside of composite three-star status. Safety, DB, has been dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, but, yeah, those are your commitments. Yeah, and Hurd was here two weeks ago for seven-on-seven seven with his team. I think it's interesting how they're utilizing, you know, sprinkling in some of the commitments. Obviously, Tawaski Arums is a different situation because you're trying to figure out what's going on there. But like Kroman Hawk, Camden Fryer, um, CJ Hurd, and, and Landon Thomas are interesting um, because like a guy like Cam Davis told me he's officially visiting Florida State in December. I know some of the other guys have said that, like maybe Joe Mori Flag, the, the three star defensive line commit, um, was the same way. So, just interesting, you know, who they decided to bring in from their commit list. I, I you know, I think guys like CJ Hurd and Luke Kromenhawk are obvious choices because both of those guys are like mouthpieces for the program. They're going to um, help you recruit um, the rest of the committed guys that we'll talk about in a second um, throughout the weekend. But yeah, and then a guy like Landon Thomas is a five star prospect that flipped from Georgia. So that's always, you know, he's always a good guy to have around. And let us not forget, Luke is officially visiting right now because he can actually grow long here because he goes to a military school. The other way around. He's officially visiting because he has longer hair and he's going to have right. to cut. This is the time of year where he's actually able to do it and he wants to do it for photo shoots. So that's part of the reason he took a summer official. I mean, he was upfront about that. I absolutely love it. Cracks me up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get into the uncommitted uh, prospect breakdown here. Start off with Jonathan Daniels, four-star offensive ta- tackle prospect. Eh, would we say tackle or guard? It doesn't matter uh, for this this moment. Six foot three, two hundred eighty pounds. He's from Pine Forest in Pensacola, Florida. Got a ninety-five grade, top one hundred prospect nationally. Some of that is inflated with another service ranking him higher than than most others. But someone that FSU has been been recruiting uh, pretty actively for a while. What do we got there, fellows? He's also been at Georgia and Kentucky. He was supposed to go to LSU, but that one got scratched because of a family situation. That was earlier in the month. Uh, I think right now Georgia is probably the main competitor there, but he's been yep. leaning FSU to entirety. We went and saw him late spring, right around the time he played his spring game. We actually went to his spring game, which Alex Atkins was at, and FSU was certainly the the club leader at that point. I have not seen feedback on the Georgia visit, which happened this past weekend, so I'm not sure if that maybe shifted things at all for him, but Prior to, it definitely was FSU. Nothing to add, Zach. Okay, moving on. Jason Zandamella. We've talked a little bit about him so far from Clearwater Academy International. Same school as Lucas Simmons. Someone that FSU has invested a ton of time in. He's a four-star offensive lineman, uh, interior offensive lineman, possibly a center. 95 grade, rounding up, top 120 prospect nationally. So someone who's very good uh, in in Typically, you don't want to take a lot of flyers on interior offense alignment, but when one is of this caliber in the high school ranks, yes, I, th- I think you make a play for him. Uh, we are monitoring this, I think is the best way to say it, to see whether he still shows up for the official visit. Zach wrote about it today on Knowles247.com. You can check that out if you're a subscriber. If not, good time to mention 50% off. Uh, what, what's the promo right now, Chris? 50% off? I can't remember. We yeah, so it's 50% annual, and I believe it is upgradable for month, please. Good deal. Good deal. But you can read Zach's thoughts on the importance of, of keeping that uh, visit on the docket. Now let's go down to Ricardo Jones from Warner Robins in, in mid-Georgia. He's a four-star safety. 
93.9 grade, top 150 prospect nationally. Film's a lot of fun, big build, prototypical safety, uh, what you think of a safety, big physical guy like that. That is Ricardo Jones. That is his game. Recently, uh, some buzz that he might be leaning towards Clemson, where he was visiting recently. So what's our read on this one, fellas? And where do we think he kind of stands for FSU? I think he's one to watch for possibly not making it this weekend. Um, I would just keep it at that. I mean, I think Clemson leads for him. Um, and he's probably going to make a decision like really soon after uh, this official visit weekend for Florida State. Um, we'll see if he makes it in. I, that's one to, to watch heading into this weekend. Um, and I'm not super worried because I think FSU sits in a good spot for multiple DBs, but he's a guy that we've you know talked about a ton um, over the last you know several months because Florida State has prioritized him a lot. Um, dating back to like January when he came on that visit um, before the dead period. Uh, but yeah, I want to see if he makes it in. Um, and if he does, Florida State will have an opportunity to try and change his mind from Clemson because I definitely think that's where he's leaning right now. Um, uh, but if not, then I think that's telling, right? Like he's just going to go to Clemson. Yeah, Brandon Huffman, one of our West Coast analysts, caught up with him out West here the last couple of days. I believe he was out there maybe at OT7 over yeah. the weekend. And at that point, he did say he was going to decide on June 27th, which for those keeping count is what, a week from today or yesterday? And it's a week from today. And that it would come after his FSU visit. So at that point, he was still intending to do it. But yes, as Zach has mentioned, there's a little bit of chatter that maybe it doesn't happen. FSU definitely has to make up ground on Clemson. Clemson is a clubhouse leader at this point. They have been since the beginning of the month when he took an official visit there. That's the only other official visit he took. It kind of goes back to the conversation we had at the beginning of the podcast with the, the strategy and where the official visits are placed. Moving on, Jalewis Solomon, athlete, but, but more of a DB prospect for FSU from Ellaville, Georgia at Shelley County. So small school, small town in, in South Georgia. Six foot, 185, top 200 prospect nationally, 92.5 grade. Someone FSU likes a ton. His film is fun. A lot of athleticism. Interesting note that he's told Dane Draper he is being recruited at Auburn, where he just was, I think unofficially, a few days ago. Yes, as a wide, Okay, as a, as a wide receiver. So um, it's kind of an interesting like to see. Like, And Auburn is, is fairly close for him as well. But I think FSU and Auburn really stand out right now. What intel do you guys have on Jalewis Solomon? Well, earlier in the month, it was FSU South Carolina. And he took an official to South Carolina back on June 2nd. He also fit a Kentucky official in there. But I don't think Kentucky is really a factor here in comparison to others. Uh, Auburn has really come on. He's actually taken two unofficials there in recent weeks. He has some family ties to that program. I would say they've surged with him, made a major push. I don't think they've locked up an official yet for him. So the interesting thing is, does he visit FSU this weekend officially, as expected, and does he make a decision soon after? Because if he does, that would probably lend itself to FSU and South Carolina still being the two tussling out. But if he delays, waits, and takes an official to Auburn, then yeah, they, they have really made a move in that recruitment. And Auburn was not really in the discussion back on June 2nd when he went to South Carolina. It was very much FSU-South Carolina at that point. That's happened over the last 20 or so days. Let's move to tight end, Kalen Fox. He's listed as an athlete at 24-7 sports, but views at, viewed at, at Florida State as a, as a tight end prospect, although certainly versatile, 6'4", 208 pounds. Uh, we saw a mile-per-hour tracker from the other day. He was in over 20 miles per hour, which at 200-plus yeah, pounds is, is impressive. 21 miles per hour. 21, all right. 
So nationally, he's ranked 225th, got a 91.8 grade overall, so still well in four-star territory. This seems like it's shaping in, Chris, to be a FSU-UCF battle. Yeah, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. I think he likes Gus Malzahn a lot. I think UCF's made a great deal of effort with him. I did notice UCF had a tight end on campus last weekend, which lends itself to sort of the backup plan. Um, one would hope FSU could beat out UCF for a guy that they do seemingly like. The one thing I would mention here is Landon Thomas and him are very good friends. Uh, Fox is originally from Valdosta. He's obviously up at Grayson for high school ball, but I think he would tell you Valdosta is more hometown for him. And uh, him and Landon have known each other for a long time. I believe they grew up playing uh, peewee football basically together. So uh, for the comment section, yeah, I know my hair looks Dragon Ball Z-ish. Uh, it will be cut within the next two hours here. Um, I couldn't put I, any product in it because I didn't want Dallas's blades to get all gunky, you know? Can't do that to your barber. You have to be considerate. Move on, Brendan. Micah Danzi, athlete from Tallahassee, plays at Florida State University School, four-star prospect, top 250 nationally, speedster. Got to see him in person a couple weeks ago. I think we were all fairly impressed with, with what he could do uh, as a kind of versatile, malleable piece there for FSU. Uh, Zach, if I had to put guys on commit watch this weekend, I guess I would put Danzi on there, but I want to get your thoughts and, and intel on, on where that recruitment stands. Yeah, I logged a crystal ball for Florida State to land Makai Danzi earlier on in the month, um, and I still feel good about where FSU sits in that recruitment. Florida and Miami are both in the mix for him, um, but I think they're both wanting to get him on campus in December for an official visit, whereas FSU is the only known voice crack um cool. no official visit uh it's an actual kids show official destination for him in the month of june and fsu's recruiting him very heavily um they want to pair him up with cam davis as their uh you know running back class in 2024 and i think they have a great shot to do that right now yeah, and it's worth mentioning Christian Clark, who came in for an official earlier in the month for FSU running back. I think I'd project him to Texas. I think Zach would probably agree with that. Yeah. Oregon's also in the mix, some others as well. From a second running back perspective, Danzi, you know, he's viewed more as an offensive athlete. I think he'll fall into that category for FSU. And I think, truthfully, it's what they want in that second spot. They would love Christian Clark, too. He's super talented. And he also is an offensive athlete in addition to being a running back. Um, but I think it's much more likely Danzy ends up being the guy. It is worth mentioning Danzy did show up for the elite camp fresh off of a track meet. He was still hot and heavy in national track-related stuff. He's a high-level track athlete. And FSU was really happy he showed up, thought he was just going to hang out, and he went out and competed. And I think that made a solid impression upon FSU, just if the kid has kind of the right makeup. Moving on to defensive tackle Nasir Johnson from Dublin, Georgia. Top 250 prospect nationally. That's very – South uh, South rural Georgia, small town there. He's in. He just committed to Florida this past weekend. We talked about that. Uh, Byer Sinone, guys, sponsored by? The Turner Group. Byer Sinone, this year, Johnson shows up to Florida State this weekend for his OV. Uh, he said he was when he left UF a day after committing to UF. He committed to UF on Saturday, left on Sunday, and said he was still going to FSU. So I'll go ahead and say, yeah, I guess he will. I'll buy it. That will uh, show up. Also known, I think uh, Florida's going to try their best to try and uh, next to visit. Um, that's what I heard after um, from UF side. I think they definitely do not want him to take the FSU official. All right, I don't think it matters in the end. You think he sticks with, with Florida. Florida? Yeah, at least for the foreseeable future. 
Dee Dee Holmes out of Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. Isn't that where Marcus Lewis? Who is the DB recruit FSU? The DB prospect that we all really like, four-star guy. I'll look it up because I'm not sure offhand. He was with Tavares McFadden. He was that class. Anyway, I wouldn't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it was, it Zach was 12. <laughs> D.D. Holmes, four-star recruit, uh, top 300 prospect nationally. Zach, your uh, your most important visitor of the weekend. Yeah, I just think he's one of FSU's more realistic edge targets. Um, I like you know his tape. I think he's a really good prospect. He's 6'6", 240 pounds. Um, he's also considering Maryland, Rutgers, South Carolina, and UF, um, among other schools. He, he's going to take five official visits this month. Dee Holmes does not talk much to the media like at all that's Um, an understatement yeah Uh, basically to put this in perspective he visited fsu i think in march and it took me about a month to get him uh to go on record about that taking three officials this month i don't think he's done an interview about any of them yeah so i you know i confirmed um you know visit destinations for him back when i talked to him i think it was like april like late april um and after that, I don't think he's gone on record since. So, yeah, it's been it's been tough to get a hold of him, but we know that he's expected to be on an official visit to Florida State this weekend. And FSU feels they're in a good spot um, within his recruitment. I think, you know, I'm really, really interested to see how things go um, and if he'll talk to us after the visit. Doesn't sound like he will. All you, Zach. All you, buddy. We'll have people uh, planted all over – well, I won't be there this weekend, but you guys will be planted all over the place to try to catch him if he slips out the side. James Madison the second, The president. Not the James Madison. For the record, Marcus Lewis was Gonzaga. Brendan James, was correct on that. Yeah, buddy. Uh, James Madison the second. I once described that, that up 2016 secondary with Marcus Lewis and Tavares McFadden as rising sophomores along with I think Levante Taylor and uh, Derwin James was back there, obviously, as a potential lineup of death with what they could do. Didn't really work out that way, guys. The kiss of death. Them were the days. <laughs> James Madison II is a, uh, has an 89.7 grade, put him in four-star territory if you round up, uh, 364th nationally. Someone FSU's been in on for a while. Big wide receiver. Still kind of a... a I don't want to say developmental, but he's an ascending prospect with his best football probably still ahead of him. Still kind of kind of raw, but very toolsy. Uh, FSU's been in on this for a while, Zach. I'll let you talk about this since he's a fellow 954 boy like yourself. Yeah, I mean, FSU loves recruiting prospects from St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Fort Lauderdale. And James Madison um, is one of their top receiver targets, um, despite them already having four committed he sit. He stands at six foot three, hundred ninety pounds, and has a six foot eight wingspan. So they like his range, and he's a guy that you know FSU's felt pretty confident with throughout his recruitment. Um, they've gotten him on campus several times over the past year, probably you know close to eight or whatever um, between eight or game visits and unofficial visits in junior days, and now he'll take his OB this weekend. I think it's between FSU, Louisville. Missouri, um, those are like the three schools most involved with James Madison at this point. I think he's originally from Missouri, so that's the tie there. That's why they're so involved in his recruitment. And then Louisville 
does a pretty good job recruiting South Florida. So uh, do we think Zach of FSU, like if he wanted to commit this weekend, do you think FSU would accept it? Yes. I think I believe that anyone they're bringing in for an OV, they'd accept a commitment from um, unless they, you know, do something on the official visit that raises like a red flag, but yeah. That's I, never happened before. Never. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think anyone would be a, a take, obviously, you know, things are situational, right? Like if, if they have six DBs on campus and five commit the six one, like they might have to, you know, take Ooh, a look at it, but they could play actual musical chairs. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that could, potentially happen if there are a bunch of commitments that happen live but no um i think if you're looking at uncommitted guys taking ovs to fsu just i i would it's safe to assume that they're takes another big wide receiver fsu is supposed to host this weekend is elijah moore from maryland good council high school in olney maryland don't know where that is uh six foot four 190 pounds four-star prospect as well 89 grade top 450 nationally I, I don't really know much about his recruitment, so please enlighten me, fellows. Ohio State and Florida State, it's those two. He visited Ohio State earlier in the month. I would say Ohio State leads at this point. Don't think he's set a decision date, but it's been pretty focused on just those two, so one would seem to believe that if he does make it in this weekend, a decision would come soon after the officials. Uh, Ranking-wise, like, He's a kid I think that can trend up. Like He's yeah, got that, a good that, film. That's he, strange, Chris. He's an enjoyable kid to watch, plus – not to fluff the pillow, and you guys know how I'm not a Buckeyes fan, but they know what they're doing at receiver recruiting. Do they players. develop well at receiver? Or, yes, they do. Brian Hartline's very good at his job. Yeah, that's a strange uh, for FSU and Ohio State battle for a guy to be on the fringe of a of three four stars. Yeah, and he appears to be a take for Ohio State. He's got two crystal balls there. So yeah. Finally, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. From Oviedo, or as Chris likes to say it, Oviedo. It's a very, Oviedo! Very the Spanish uh, style. I call it Oviedo. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Oh, no, sorry. It's a Koei that you butchered. Yeah, recently. there you go. That's correct. Uh, Ty Hilton, offensive tackle prospect, 86.5 grade, 895th nationally. Uh, Chris, what should people be on the lookout there uh, with his recruitment? Fourth of four officials this month began at Penn State, and then he made his tour of the state. He went to uh, Miami, then Florida last week, now Florida State. He's been to FSU a few times. He likes Alex Atkins a lot. I don't know that FSU loves him, if I'm just being upfront. I think FSU likes him. I think FSU would take him. I think they love him. You I, think if they got Zandamella and Jonathan Daniels, they would still take Ty Hilton? Yes, I do. Okay. I, I'm not going to argue against that idea. I'm just not entirely convinced of it. I think they I've would. never felt that FSU is any rush to use a lot of numbers on high school offensive linemen. In I think three is their number. I think okay. if they win three, then they're yeah. good. And we don't think they're getting a guy like Nair Daniels, who's one of the few others that visited this month. Probably so not. If he's a take at Texas or Georgia, I would assume that he's probably not going to Florida State. Yeah. So, but he's a kid, he, a little bit, I would describe him a little bit slender. But the frame's probably good enough to bulk up, and he should be fine long-term, pretty long arms. Like there, There's enough solid attributes there that you like what you're getting with a kid who probably has a little bit of swing lineman capability. Nice, smart kid. Checks a lot of those kind of boxes. Hey, I almost made a whole podcast without saying that. Bro, so how like, much did you How much did you love – which recruit was it that said check the boxes? Was it uh, Ricky Knight? Uh, yeah, I think it was Ricky. And, you know, I'm already a big fan of Ricky, so – he checked love out the, box love too. the competitive dog. 
So, okay. but uh, Hilton's a good player. I think probably I don't want to say it's definitely FSU or Florida because he's kind of he talks everybody up when he visits, and I think he's legitimately visiting places where he does really like the position coach, and he's very comfortable with the program as a whole. We are. We flew through this for by our standards to recap an official visit weekend and preview one, and then also have like a twenty minute discourse uh, in the state of FSU recruiting. This is remarkable. I thought one hundred or one hundred and twenty hour and twenty minutes is about what we would do. So we're a little bit ahead of schedule. Let's wrap this up soon. I'll do a few buyers to known sponsored by the Turner Group, and we'll, and we'll get out of here. Uh, buyers to known: Tawaski Abrams sticks with Florida State. Also known that for now. I I'm, I'm gonna just, buy. Ooh. Also known it, I think Zach's just playing just that one uh, If you have any buyers to knowns, get them in the chat real quick because uh, we're about to wrap this up. Uh, buyers to known, FSU gets at least six combined commitments from last weekend and this upcoming weekend's official visitors. Bye. Uh, no, I am listening. I'm calculating. Oh, he's computing. You said six or more. Charles Lesser just announced that he's will be committing on July 29th. There we go, kids. We've got a date to be determined. It's now July 29th. Another falk in the road. Um, six is a really good number, Sonone. I'm proud of you. You're very good at that. Um, was it six or more? Yeah, I'll buy. Okay. Okay, I think I'll buy as well. So historically, I put this on the board the other day. Uh, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, but like maybe you can help me with calculations, Chris. Uh, they think they got like five out of eight official visitors to commit last Yeah, which July, is 62.5%. And then six out of eight the year before. 75%. Um, so, and now they have 10, they have 10 uh, uncommitted players this weekend. Or 11, excuse me. No, yeah, 10. So let's, let's say they have 10 and they go 60%, that's six. Okay. Plus last weekend where I think Lester's kind of won that I feel very confident in, and then maybe another one or maybe two. Zach's a little more confident in me and three. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But uh, point being is I think there's, there's a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to us probably doing pre-rights and recruiting commitment stories and, and stuff like that. Like that, that probably will be something we spend the next few weeks on. Uh, Byers to FSU will finish with a top 10 class nationally. I'm going to sit on that. I think they'll be right outside the top 10. Um, yeah, it's tough, but that's where I'm at right now. I can't remember. Do, does 24-7 cap the total number that equates into that calculation? Is it capped at like 21 or 22? Because if it is, I think they can. The issue is I don't think their class is going, their high school class is going to exceed that number. I think they're going to have classes 23 out. to 24 high school commits. I guess I, I'll, I buy, am, it. I'll I, buy it. I, I think I will too, Chris. Uh, it will be close. I think they will. It's really going to be interesting to see. They're recruiting at a different level in high school than they have in the past years. And I know it doesn't feel like that. Like we've, I've teased some people here today about the mid-June panic. It doesn't feel that way. But, like, they are going to keep a spot open for Bolden. They'll keep a spot open for Jeremiah Smith. Like, they're JoJo Schrader is still on the board. Like, there are guys who uh, they are hopeful to close on. And what's different now than what's been 
the case the last few years. Like when we talk about them closing on guys in late June, uh, two classes ago, we were getting like a Kanaya Charlton. And I like Kanaya a lot. I still think highly of him, but he was picking between Florida State and Georgia Tech. You're now battling Ohio State for guys. You're now battling Georgia. You're now battling Alabama. Like it, it's changed and the, the players have more leverage to like dictate terms and, and times of commitments. So it, it feels a little bit different. FSU is in it with guys where they need to have good season, another good season to keep building and prove the legitimacy of the growth of this program. Uh, and I am confident they're going to be good on the field this season. So with that in mind, I'm confident they're going to close on some guys or have a chance at the bitter end with some guys uh, to, to win out on some battles that maybe we're not expecting right now and they're positioning themselves to do so. So I'll buy it because I think they'll be, if they win on the field and take care of business in a better spot, than it feels like they are here on June 20th. So that's my logic. Uh, I think that's everything. I didn't see any buyers and owns in the chat. So we'll get out. Cool. Yep. All right. For Chris Nee, Zach Blossing, I'm Brendan Sinone. It's been on the bench. Thanks to <clears throat> losing my voice here, Chattanooga Whiskey, uh, as well as the Turner Group for sponsoring this episode. Uh, congrats to Luke Cromanhawk on his top uh, finish at Elite 11, top five finish at Elite 11, and shout out to the X and Nose fellas. Once again, check out that show with Mike Norvell. An amazing episode. Great content there. So thanks everyone for watching. All 100 and 200 of you. Wow. All right, sticking the landing. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.